Welcome to the Heroes Church Podcast. Our vision is to build Christ-centered communities of imperfect people for the city. Now, let's listen to Pastor Z as he shares the scripture message. We are going through our opening series for this year entitled New Year's Pursuits. And today, we're going to talk about perspective. Last week, you know, when we talk about worth, it's from Psalm 1. We're jumping off from that and connected with that and how we look at the world and how we look at the values of the world and the values of the Bible. We will look today at how to view life from a certain perspective. So similar to last week, we're going to compare and contrast two different kinds of perspective. And hopefully we can arrive at you know something that you can bring home and think about and apply to your life. Now, before I continue, let's pause for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning that we can gather for worship. We pray that uh, we can just surrender our concerns to you, things that are bothering us, causing some anxieties and worries. Pray that this time we can just focus on what you have to teach us. Bless this time, Lord. Illuminate your word for us and help us, Lord, be strengthened and equipped by your word. Help us grow in it too and see its implications in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So when we talk about perspective, one of the most important things, even when we learn it in school or in specialized school, like architecture, one of the things that are really most important is the point of reference. Having or knowing what your point of reference is helps dictate your perspective. And it's the same with everyday things we do, like taking photos. Right? When you take a photo of your food or a selfie or a picture of wherever it is you're going, having the right point of reference creates the backdrop for your photo. And in viewing life, it is very important to understand what is your reference point. When you look at things, when you process experiences, by which reference point do you base your analysis on. Last week, when we talked about worth, what is your reference point for worth? Is it what the world dictates or is it what the Bible dictates? So today I want to share with you, based on Psalm 8, two perspectives with two different reference points and at the end close with how the gospel applies it in our life. So let's go with the first. Psalm 8 really introduces to us a God-centered perspective. It shows us that when God is the reference point, things are rightfully in their place. That's why the psalm begins with the Lord. Lord, Lord, how magnificent is your reputation throughout the earth. It is very important to consider that though we are Christians, though we are believers, it's not automatic that you have God as your reference point. So many people say we believe God. So many people say we know God. But unless He takes or becomes the ultimate reference point in our lives, we wouldn't talk like this. But the psalmist shows us the way. When he looks at God, when he focuses on God, when he looks at the heavens, recognizes who made the, the earth, who made the world, he suddenly sees things in its proper place. 
and he sees himself. He sees man in his proper place. That's why in this psalm, he says, what importance is the human race that you should notice them? What is, of what importance is mankind that you should pay attention to them? This is a great balance. On the one hand, the psalmist recognizes from the point of reference of God, who man is definitely lower than God, but at the same time already is giving uh, hints, giving highlights that this God who is ultimately higher, this Lord who is great and magnificent, who created the world, is paying attention to us, right? And, and, and this, is, this, is, this is an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing because the world normally has it the other way around. It is the lower beings who pay attention to the higher beings. It is, it is those who have lower statutes, lo, lo, lower, lower status, lower status, that pay attention to the people of higher status. That's why, you know, we, that's why they're called fans. There are crowds that talk about, you know, other people. And, you know, social media this past couple of weeks has given so much attention to a, a particular person talking about how she grew up and how she sees work because somehow people gravitate towards just people we think are of a certain value. But the psalmist shows us that when God is our reference point and we acknowledge that God is ultimately the highest, this God who is the highest created everything and sets everything in its proper place. And I really want to hit home on this because, as I said, it's easy to be Christian. It's easy to say God is important, but it's different to have him as a reference point. And it's hard. It pra it's practically hard to do this. Why? Because look, we only have this once a week. We only go to church once a week, one hour and 15 minutes. If you add your travel time to work, maybe you committed two hours on your Sunday to church. If you have your regular quiet time, let me tell you maybe an average would be 20 to 30 minutes. If, and that's already long. Some of us will be doing it 15 minutes. Last Sunday, I said, start with five minutes. So let's say, let's say 10. Let's say you give God 10 minutes a day to reflect, read his word, pray. That's another 70 minutes per week. It's an extra hour. So maybe total you already have three hours and you add your lighthouse, which let's say can be two hours. Let's say you give God five hours a week. Where do you give the rest of your hours? Eight hours to work. How many much more hours to le leisure? Maybe some more time to your family, to your friends. When we think about having God as a reference point, I'm telling you, he doesn't really, God is not needy that he's saying, I want all of your time. He doesn't need our time. He's the, the people of higher status, they don't need people of lower status, but he pays attention to us because he values us in our time with him. So it's not so much only 
saying, I'm not telling you the number of hours because I want you to give God 20 hours a day. The point I'm trying to make is when God is our reference point and we reflect on him, does he invade? Does he cover? Does he, is he present in all other areas of our lives? So when you do your work, when you study in school, when you interact with your friends, when you do laser things like watching Netflix or movies or eating out, is there a sense of God's presence in your life? I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying you, you're eating and don't philosophize this and saying you're eating and you're, you're asking yourself, what does the sushi have to do with God? It's not like that. But generally, when God is your reference point, you begin to start seeing things and experiencing life alongside Him, right? So when you're watching, you know, one, ex one thing I practice in my life is when I'm watching something and depending on what's happening in, in front of me, I do pray, God, can you protect my mind? Can you protect my perspective? Can this something that, you know, I'm visually enjoying or this story I'm seeing unfold May it be something that I can process healthily and not just waste my time. And if it's, it gets sometimes drama or thriller or becomes too heavy or dark, God, can, can you just, you know, help me process this? Things like that. So when you're, when you're doing life, when you're doing work, you know, you get to throw a prayer. God, help me. Help me with this workload. Help me with this stress. Help me with this person that is difficult to manage. That's what I mean when I say having living life with God as a reference point is God begins to, you know, get into the program of your life. The problem is the reality, many of us compartmentalize our life with God and every other part of our life. God is just one section, right? God, you know, the, my life with God is my church life. My, my life with God is my uh, ministry life. But I have a life with my partner. I have a life with my work. I have a life with my school. I have a life with, on, on social media. And the problem is all these different factors, you're different in every one of them. That's what's happening to many of people now. In social media, we're different. We're a different person. In social media, it seems we're extroverts, but in reality, we're introverts. And sometimes it's the other way around. In social media, we're artistic or, 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 or introverted. In, in, in real life, we're, we're, we're talkative. Sometimes, you know, and, 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 and depending on who you are with, sometimes it dictates on what kind of person you will be. You know, the problem with this is the more you have different kinds of you, Okay, different kinds of you per different part of your life. You're different at work. You're different at home. You're different at social media. You're different at church. What's really happening is, you know, you are forming disjointed parts of yourself. And if you're not careful, it's easy to get lost in understanding who you really are. And one, at one point, there will be a disconnect. Disconnect between your mind, a disconnect with your heart, a disconnect with your soul. And when we are lost 
on these perspectives, the Bible teaches us to come back to our reference point. Because when we have a proper reference point, whichever part of your life it is, there will be some level of clarity. And that's why the Bible is offering that the best reference point of our life is God. I'll come back to this later. Let's go with the second reference point. If God is not the reference point in our lives, this is what it will be oftentimes. I am my own reference point. Me, myself. You see, in verse 5, it says, You made them a little less than the heavenly beings, talking about man. You crowned mankind with honor and majesty. You appointed them to rule over your creation. You have placed everything under their authority. The psalmist shares the hierarchy of creation and puts man lower than God on top of all the other created beings and discusses that man was placed with honor and majesty and authority over creation. Now we know what happened, right? God created the world, put all this design in place, but man who was lower than God, given authority over all creation, tried to usurp and wanted to overstep and gain a foothold of a higher level of hierarchy. Man wanted to put himself at the level where God was supposed to be. And because of that, that's what we call sin. That's what we call um, the disorder, that the chaos that entered the world was when man overstepped this hierarchy. And because of that, inside all of us is that desire that makes ourselves our own reference points. Pastor, what does that mean? I'm going to tell you what it means. And this is very practical. To some of us, and this is connected to last week's message on worth, some of us, our worth is connected with, you know, what I own, right? So, you know, a lot of times we associate people with the kind of car they drive, the kind of watch they wear, kind of phone they use, right? To maybe to the to a general population, it matters what phone you use. To a higher level of people, it, it, they look at your watch, they look at your shoes, they look at your bag, they look at your jewelry. Some people they look at your cars. Some people we 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 value we 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 take our worth from what we own. Some of us take value in our title, right? Am I a doctor? Am I a lawyer? Am I an engineer? What level of doctor? What specialization? What, what kind of lawyer? What kind of engineer? The more titles we put on our names, it seems the higher we have worth. That's why we work hard for it. We work hard for certifications. We work hard for standardizations, for levels that recognize who we are. Some of us invest a lot of time on our looks, on how we project ourselves physically. So we work out, we, we work out not primarily for healthy reasons. We work out so that when I look at myself in the mirror, I'm happy. When these things that we invest in connected with worldly values are what we focus on, we may or may not on purpose we may deliberately or not deliberately be having ourselves as the reference point of our lives. When I can feed myself, when I can satisfy myself, 
my world is okay, right? So connected with that, some, some people are all about, you know, things that we get. Some people are all about things that I feel. It depends on how I feel. What I feel matters. Things, some people, you know, I'm not, you know, when I talk about having things like titles, cars, jewelry, all that, I'm not saying that's important. It's very important. There is credit if you can afford these things. Some people, though, say, oh, it doesn't matter. What matters is myself. What matters is my value, my, 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 my integrity, my, you know, sometimes some, some people say my, what, what matters is you know, being my, who, be, who, who I really am on the inside. No one else sees. No one can dictate. No one can brand. But let me tell you this. How many people say what matters is on the inside really have a good understanding of who they are, right? So sometimes we focus on the external things of man. Sometimes we're focused on the internal things of man. But whatever it is you're focused on, the common denominator is still you're focused on yourself. Not going to judge what's shallow or deep. It doesn't matter, okay? We're not here to judge. We're not here to say external things are artificial and superficial. Internal things are more important. I'm telling you, both are important. And when you give value on it, more often than not, you are putting yourself as the reference point. And that is a life, one way to live life. One way to live life is we are our reference points. As long as I set my goals, achieve them, then I'm good. Now, how do you know you're making yourself your reference point? Well, when you fail, how do you feel? When someone critiques you, is your world broken? When you, when, when, when you, you're no longer, when you, your, what your possession is no longer cool, something else gets better, how do you react? When you have that constant need to upgrade, when you have that constant desire to, to move up in life, to get more things, these are things that show you, you are your reference point. And again, I'm not saying this is wrong. I'm just saying this is another perspective, okay? So I want you to think about this. I don't want you to immediately judge it as wrong. Because some people are like that. Pastor, just tell me what's wrong and I won't do it. When you do that, you don't get it. You're not processing this the right way. Because, again, you didn't arrive at that perspective thinking it's wrong. No one's buying cars, shoes, bags thinking it's wrong. No one does that, okay? I'm not buying shoes because it's wrong. No, so, so don't say you're just going to change it just because it's wrong. You didn't arrive at that perspective because it's wrong in the first place. You grew into that perspective. So what I'm hoping this message is showing you is at least differentiating the different perspectives so that you can evaluate over time what is the reference point of your life. And again, some of us are social creatures. We value friends. We value family. We value the kind of family we have. We value the kind of friends we have. And that gives us a certain level of worth. But again, if we're drawing worth from things that we own, titles, perspective, accomplishments, our own internal evaluation of ourselves, and also the people that are around us, 
The common denominator among all these things is me, right? Now, the world is telling you, the world's gonna tell you, this is the right path. When the world tells you to just be yourself, to love yourself, to find yourself, these are all in support of the perspective of me or man as the reference point in life. It doesn't matter what other people think. only matters what you think. And again, it gets more complicated now with the younger generation. It gets, it's not even postmodern anymore. It's post-postmodern. Because now in the new generation, it's so isolated that any one person can just dictate their sense of what life should be. And we can all dictate, we can all have the freedom to dictate on that. So I can dictate what's good for myself. You dictate what's good for yourself. That is the right value, right? Before, in a sense, having accomplishments, having titles, universalize or at least standardize a, you know, a sense of accomplishment or worth. But now in the younger generation, what's being supported is now we all have, apart from ju just the world's valuation, we have our own unique individual valuations. That's why, you know, we have to be conscientious that when we make ourselves the reference point, rather than achieving more clarity, we actually get more complexity. Sometimes this leads to more confusion, right? So as an example, right, as an example, when I was growing up in school, it's very easy to say, you know, it's very rare, maybe, maybe less, maybe less than 10% even of the class would come from, we used to call it broken families. Now we have different terms like blended families and all that. And now today, I'm sure the ratio has turned around. And it's the same with the LGBT community. There used to be no LGBT community. It's just being gay. And now there's just so many much more classification. And let me ask you this. If you have a gay from 50 years ago to an LGBTQ person today, do you think they have the same idea of what being gay is? No, they don't. They will have different views. And in fact, they might not even agree. Obviously, there, should, they, there might be some joy that it's more acceptable now. But again, the perspective is different. And so... The challenge when we make a reference point that is not supposed to be an ultimate anchor in life, it bleeds into different, complex, possibly confusing things. And now we live in a very confused world. There's no more absolute truth. You can dictate for yourself even your preference. We see this even at work. You have to indicate what pronouns you already are. Before growing up, it's automatic. Right? When they teach you in language or English, he for guys, she for girls. And that's what you use when you speak. Now it's all like people can dictate on their own what you call them. And you have to pay respect and understand and all this. This is, see, when you give so much power to the, an individual to make him or herself the reference point, it becomes like this. Now, I'm telling this with great caution. Because I want you to understand that 
I'm preaching from this pulpit, recognizing the reference point is the Bible. The world will have a different reference point. That's why we will not agree. Don't start saying what I'm saying here and thinking everyone else should believe it. That's not the point. When you start doing that, that's when people think we're fundamentalists. I'm just arguing from a reference point, not even to talk about LGBT. I'm just trying to prove a point that when we are our reference point, it leads to so many different more complexities that can lead to further confusion. And the clarity you wanted from a particular perspective is lost. We're talking about perspective here that hopefully renders a clear picture of what life should be. And that is why the, the Bible is teaching us to have a God as a reference point. And when the world teaches us otherwise, then it becomes really unclear. So I want you to understand that this perspective we're talking about here is a biblical perspective that is considered for people who believe in the Bible, right? People don't believe in the Bible, they wouldn't understand this. In fact, we'll fight, we'll, we'll be fighting, right? So the primary, primary experience that I'm trying to tell you here is that, there, that we need to evaluate these two perspectives. You may or may not agree with what the scripture is saying, but at least evaluate your perspective if it leads to more clarity or it leads to more confusion. Because my sense is today, there's a lot more confusion. And that's why it's healthy to come back to more clarity. Where do we get more clarity? We get it from the word of God. Okay? Now to close, I will make it more clear. You see, there is a disconnect and there is almost always a legalistic side to this. It's very easy to say, have God as your reference point and repent from having yourself as a reference point. If you leave saying, okay, I will make God my reference point today. I want you to understand how that is possible. And how that is possible is by having or understanding that the Bible is a complete story and when it says God is the ultimate reference point, we have a clear picture of who that God is. And that God is Jesus. Psalm 8 closes, O Lord, O Lord, how magnificent is your reputation throughout the earth. It ends and it really focuses on who God is. Now in understanding who God is, we need to look at how the scripture introduces him. And it is no accident that in Hebrews 2, this psalm is quoted. If you go to Hebrews 2, verses 5 to 8, it says there, For he did not put the world to come about which we are speaking under the control of angels. Instead, someone testified somewhere, What is man that you think of him? Or the son of man that you care for him? You made him lower than the angels for a little while. You crowned him with glory and honor. You put all things under his control. Psalm 8 was quoted in Hebrews chapter 2, which is definitely connecting and completing the picture. When we say God is our reference point, we are not talking about a God who is just far, a God whom we do not know, a God who is a supreme being, a God who is just the creator. We're talking about God who came down to earth and his name is Jesus. When we say God is the reference point, we need to understand that that is not the same God 
as the Islamic God, the Buddhist God. We're not saying it's the same God as you know the other religious religions gods. We're saying this God is very particular God. In fact, having the the title Lord Lord in Psalm eight is talking about a very specific God. The psalmist in, in, is in relationship with, and this God is introduced to us in the New Testament, and His name is Jesus. And how do we move from perspective number two to perspective number one? But on, on our own strength, we cannot do it. That is why perspective number two keeps evolving, because we are just pushing the limit of what that means. When man is our reference point, that's why we need to be saved from our own devices. And the way we are saved is the gospel. That's why in Hebrews 2, 8 to 9 says, For when he put all things under his control, he left nothing outside of his control. At present, we do not yet see all things under his control, but we see Jesus who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by God's grace, he would experience death on behalf of everyone. The tension, the tension, and the reason why God is not a reference point is because we know it's impossible to achieve, right? We feel deep inside the crack, the brokenness of sin is telling us that our relationship with God, a Psalm 8 relationship with God, making him the reference point of my life is impossible to achieve. That's why I will make other reference points in my life that I can achieve. I can work. I can think. I can be creative. I can imagine. I can decide. Yes, you can do all that. Achieve a certain level of worth. But this biblical worth that Psalm 8 is talking about, this biblical connection, this biblical relationship that Psalm 8 is projecting, it's impossible. And you know why it's impossible? Because we cannot save ourselves. That's why before, that's why part of the journey of Christianity begins with the recognition that I am a sinner in need of God's grace to be saved. When we baptize people, we recognize that. We affirm that. When we evangelize people, we declare that because I cannot save myself. I cannot just make God my ultimate reference point. That is not part of me. I cannot do what I do not have. And that is why God, in his wisdom, gave his son Jesus, who was incarnated on earth to be man, and in behalf of everyone, died for us. Now, when he died for us, what was the effect? Hebrews 2 continues in verses 10 to 13. For it was fitting for him, for whom and through whom all things exist, and bringing many sons to glory, to make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through sufferings. He is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Here am I with the children God has given me. Here I am with the children God has given me. The identity God gave to Jesus when in his baptism, he says, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus, through his death and resurrection, passes it on to us when he says, Here I am with the children God has given me. 
Brothers and sisters, when we talk about perspective in life, when we talk about value and worth, we really have to recognize what Jesus Christ has done. When we see Jesus, our identity becomes secure. When we see Jesus, our perspective becomes clear. Jesus becomes the anchor for my existence. So my worth is not dictated by what I own. My worth is not dictated by my titles. My worth is not dictated by the people surrounding me. My worth and my life is dictated by my God who died for me. And that is why Paul can say with extreme confidence, For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live for him who gave, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Brothers and sisters, the way... You see, Paul is very interesting because Paul was a religious man. He was an amazing human. You know, he was trained. He was educated. He, he even had dual citizenship. He was both Roman and Jew. He was learned. He, he had authority. He was all that. But though he was a, a man of his time, he needed the gospel to transform himself from a man who looked to himself for worth into recognizing Jesus is his ultimate worth. And that is the goal of what we're trying to say today. The world is confusing. The world will throw many different lights at you, many different perspectives, many different reference points to ultimately feed your ego, ultimately feed yourself of, your, your sense of self. The gospel is fighting with the opposite force. The gospel is teaching us we have to exalt God. We have to exalt who Jesus is. Remember what he has done. And when that is what our perspective is, it shapes everything else in our lives. Now that is, a, I'm telling you now, apart from the gospel, that will be an undesirable goal. I'm telling you now, that is an undesirable goal when you don't view life from gospel lens. Without the gospel lens, People don't want to see Jesus. They want to see your cars. They want to see your money. They want to see your beauty. They want to see your titles. But with the gospel lens, it reverses that. That's why we have a responsibility. That's why a church is not an individual. The church is a community of faith. You and I come here. The goal is to have the same gospel lens so that we can affirm, be secure, and practice what it means to have our identity secured in the gospel. That's why you need to have your Christian friends. That's why you need to journey with Christian, your Christian family. Because without that, it's going to be hard to journey alone with your sense of identity in Christ. But when you gather together, discuss this in your lighthouse, talk about it, process things together in the same understanding, it will affirm and re-strengthen, reaffirm the presence of God in your life. So this is really not only a message that helps target you as individuals. This is a message that targets us as a church community. That means our church should be different. Our church should value what God values. The church, our church should value recognizing 
the place of God in our lives. Yes, let's go for titles. Yes, let's be the best professionals we can be. Let's build families as much as we can. Let's support being the best people we can be, but all under the grace of God. And how do we practice that? Well, we practice that by the ordinary things. We practice that by the ordinary means of grace. And, the, and, and our church teaches that. The ordinary means of grace include coming to church where you get fed by the word of God. And when this word of God is discussed in your community groups, you're also committing time to that. That is very important. Very ordinary to pray and spend your quiet time and read the, the Bible. And it's all these ordinary means of grace that will help strengthen you. And when you add that into your normal schedule, that will really be the hope. So last week I said, spend five minutes with God every day. The second sermon for your practical application, commit to your Sunday worship service. Don't let the Sunday worship service be missed out. And if you're tuning in online, whatever reason it is that you're tuning in online, I hope it's valid. I hope you think it's valid because if whatever it is that's stopping you from being here with us physically, please pray to God. Please pray to God that it may not be a hindrance to worshiping with us as a church. If you're sick and not feeling well, you need to stay home, that's great. But I hope it's not just the difficulty of getting up and coming to church because if that is the case, you have to review the sermon. Because if God is the reference point of our lives and He matters so much, He traveled all the way from heaven to earth. Traveling to church and all that sacrifice pales in comparison. So I want you to consider this. The church is a commitment. The church is something we commit to, not because it's a requirement. The church is something we commit to because it's a sign that God is our reference point. We are people who affirm God is our reference point, And we do that practically by being a part of our church. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for today that we can journey together in the gospel. Thank you for your grace that shows us that we are of value and worth. Though we are lesser people, lesser beings than you, you paid attention to us. And you didn't only pay attention to us. You came down on earth to be like us, live perfectly as man and die for us, imperfect people. Thank you for your grace and we pray that we can process life with the gospel as an anchor, that we can start having the grace to see you as our ultimate reference point. Lord, help us discern the many things that try to Take your place in our lives and we pray that you, your presence, your worth, your strength, your value, your reign in our lives will grow every day. And we pray that we can do that practically starting off by committing to our church worship service. Thank you for this time together. Be with us for the rest of this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.